morning. Welcome to Don't Be the Artist. I'm Hagen. I'm Dave. I'm Adam. And I'm Jackson. We are uh, we're doing a we deep dive it. this week. Yeah, it's always like that's the first hurdle is just making sure we don't step on each other during the ad- that. So that one was better than normal. Can I tell a story before we before we get into the deep dive? Story time. Story time. My neighbor tried to steal. This is this is this is relevant because oh, no. of of uh, uh, we're, we're talking about music, so this is relevant because of that. My neighbor tried to steal a very special vinyl that I had delivered today. I saw you talk about that, and I was curious what you meant by that. Was this a, so? The way your house works is there. You're kind of in like the actual house, and then there's a loft behind you. So is that the neighbor you're talking about? Who is no. kinda in the same house as you? I I went to her house. She was chilling on her porch, and I was like, "Hey, uh, did you get a package for me today?" And she was like, "Uh, no, I I I didn't. I would have given it to you." And I'm like, "I know. I just had. I just I just have to ask." So then I went to, uh, we know the other neighbors, like, on, on one side. It wasn't them. It was the other side. They uh, just, like, it, two hours had passed, and I used my ring camera to, like, look and see, like, what time everything had happened and whatnot. And two hours had passed since, like, the, the mailman had been there. So I knocked on their door, and I was like, hey, did you get a package for my address? And they were like, oh, um, yeah, 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 we did. We did. I was like, okay, cool. And they, they shut the door and then they come back out and they're like, oh yeah, uh, it was opened when we got it. I don't wow. know what's in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. How sure sketchy is that? <laughs> That's fucked. I can't yeah, believe I, they did that. Yeah. Not my fucking bitty bam vinyl. No, you don't motherfucker. How old were they? Uh, They looked like they were probably like 24, 25, something like that. Old enough to know not to do that. Yeah, I mean, why the fuck do you open mail if it doesn't if it's not your name? Why the fuck do you do that? That's a that's federal a offense, Hagen. Yeah. yeah, it's that. So that's my story time for the week. Fuck my neighbors. Jesus. Well, uh, speaking of federal offenses, today we're talking about something that is on the federal level. We uh, we band together and we were trying to think of who we should talk about. And a lot of the artists we always throw around have like 13 records or eight records. And it's just, it's hard. That's some of the stuff we listen to, but we also don't want to bog down this segment. So then we had this crazy idea. We picked one, an artist, but we we're like that too much. But then we whittled it down. So what we're talking about today is Sufjan Stevens. And you're welcome to everyone out there who uh, says Sufjan uh, or Subaru, uh, whatever you say. <laughs> Subaru Stevens. It is Sufjan Stevens. And we are specifically talking about his 50 States project. If you don't know who Sufjan Stevens is, uh, he is the, what I think is the best way, you can describe him in two ways. He is either just an indie folk artist or a Baroque pop artist, which is what we'll be talking about today is mostly Baroque pop. So I figure a lot of people may not know what the, you know, you may have heard what the term Baroque pop, but what is Baroque pop? It is a genre that blends rock music and classical music elements together. I think that is the best way of explaining it. Hagen, do you have any qualms with that explanation of Baroque pop? I think that's really good. I think that a really big clarification is it's not 
like what you imagine. I think I think when a lot of people imagine rock and and classical music, they imagine like that symphonic bullshit, like that uh, fucking Metallica shit with uh, the orchestra. Um, so I think that like like the the description for Sufjan being like baroque, it kind of helps. I think separate the two things. Um, but yeah, I think that that's that's pretty accurate. Classical music elements and rock elements. A lot of it is like a big a big thing I'd say is forms of songs are kind of all over the place because you're not uh, you're not seeing like a regular rock song form and you're not seeing uh, a classical music form all the way through, but you see just mixtures of the whole thing. Discussing uh, the other part of Sufjan that I said, the indie folk part of him. He is very much an indie sweetheart. I love the man. Uh, a lot of pitchfork writers love the man. Here is here's yep. a here is a great quote that I think encompasses Sufjan very well. He made it cool for indie rockers to put down their pavement and pick up a banjo. Yeah, I, I, li- <laughs> I liked that quote too. Yeah. Uh, did you did you guys read <laughs> about his like? You guys do you guys read about his family and his family's name like? Uh, I thought Sufjan was like maybe a one-off in the family. Like, oh, that's a weird name. No, it's like, uh, what the fuck? How do you how do you even pronounce half of these fucking names? So I think he's of Persian descent. So he's I, he's I, Lithuanian and Greek. Okay, so it, that that makes it a definitely non-Western uh, names. So that makes sense that we would have a hard time. Yeah, his brother's name his brother's name is Marzuki. Yeah. So, yeah, he's got a, a rich family history, which comes through in a lot of his music. So, specifically, what we're talking about today is his 50 States project. If you don't know what that is, uh, Stevens announced an intent to write an album for each of the 50 U.S. states, which he termed the 50 States project. The idea was simply just to honor each state with songs that picked up with some of each of the state's history, you know give or take. It's not like these are historical albums. It's mainly, I think what he does really well is he'll do something that mean he'll write about something, a personal experience, but then throw in uh, a bit of a state's history. And it's not just, you know, something he's thrown like, Oh yeah, New York city, like, and just says New York city. Like he's actually got some pretty in-depth analysis of these states, which is impressive. So is there anything I'll discuss kind of, I think we'll discuss kind of how it started, like the actual in-depth, a little bit later. I think it, it it's better explained uh, in a bit. I want to I wanna, uh, just say real quick, you say uh, the project is simply to just make an album uh, <laughs> for, for each state. That's not uh, uh, really, I mean, think, think about that for a second without even taking into what, what goes into his music, but just think about making 50 albums in the first place and 50 albums, each it's, it's all, it's all a theme. It has to, it has to be about a, each one has to be about a state. That is a ridiculous task. That is insane. Uh, the quote that that I liked about that was uh, he just went all in studying the entire history of the state. In retrospect, that was another giveaway that this was either going to be a lifelong pursuit or maybe it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, and also yeah. imagine that he's a solo artist, so yeah. that makes it even more difficult. Most most artists don't make it past twenty albums. 
realistically. If they make it to 20. Yeah. And even if you were putting out 50 shitty albums, that's still a lot of work. So... Oh yeah. my god. He was yeah. in his twenties when he started doing when he started this, right? Wasn't he like twenty four or something? Twenty four. Oh, right. he was tw- yes. Twenty four when he okay. started. And I, when I he started have this Michigan. Di- yes. That well that's so, when he released the album. So he would have been seventy five by the time he finished this if he released an album a year. <laughs> yes. Un- it's not gonna happen. I don't know what the average uh age for a male in America is, but I like I don't the think... life expectancy. Yeah, I think it's eighty. Yeah, so maybe yeah, he, he, he would have been it. cutting it close. Yeah. Do you guys mind if I take you guys on a trip to Michigan? <laughs> oh my god! Why so are you doing who are a fucking visual gag? For, yeah, for people while who are listening. <laughs> Jackson's like wearing a shirt. Podcast. Jackson's wearing a shirt it, that it'll says, be in your podcast app. He's he's wearing a shirt that says "Say Yes to Michigan." <laughs> I will be your tour guide. Uh, a uh, lot of the oh no, <laughs> did you rehearse? Did you practice? Who knows? Did you rehearse taking off the the jacket or whatever you had on before? I forgot already because now I'm just focused on the shirt. So flannel, baby, flannel all day. <laughs> Wear plaid, get sad. That's my that's my motto, man. <laughs> I'm doing my best Sufjan impression. I, I've got a ball cap on. I don't normally wear ball caps, and uh, so I'm wearing my ball cap. I got my "Say Yes to Michigan" shirt on, which is a song uh, of. I wish you had Sufjan's. a bald cap on. I wish you were wearing yeah. a bald cap. All right, so Michigan was the <laughs> Sufjan Stevens album. I believe it was his third album, and it came out in 2003. <laughs> july this, 1st 2003 this was my oh wow first of july almost the fourth of july so this was my first uh time listening to this album i i guess before we start this i i think all of us have listened to sufyan before i have a close relationship with his music not all of it but there are a couple albums that are mean a lot to me and i really do enjoy his work and then there is some of his work that i do not like um but he's one of those guys who uh he's pretty prolific and he does you know kind of he tries to break boundaries whether it works or not have you guys listened to sufjan before i was really into the illinois record and i did get into carrie and lowell when it came out i listened to that a lot aside from that this is my first time hearing michigan and i haven't really heard any of his other stuff I was definitely a big fan of Illinois, but we'll get into that. That's it. That's all I'll say. I had heard some of his songs, but I had never listened to the whole or a whole album. So I was familiar with his style of music, at least. So I know how Hagen feels about Carrie and Lowell because I have we'll his get vinyl copy. I have his vinyl <laughs> copy of it that he gave to me. So. His, uh, this is his third album. He was not a household name. He wasn't even an indie fame name at this point. Uh, so just kind of getting straight into it, he was talking about his home state of Michigan. That is where he grew up. That's where he spent most of his ch- time uh, in his childhood. And I don't believe he lives there anymore. I think he spends his time in New York City now in the Brooklyn area. Yeah, I think so. I'll go ahead and start off by just saying, you know, that first time listening to this i mean just a lot of sufyan's early work has this like really 
rich warmth to it that even if it's not the most catchy song it or anything like that it just has this way of like ah oh, this feels really warm and positive even if it's not a very uh you know positive song i think uh the initial song that really grasped me was say yes to michigan which is probably the most fun song on the record yeah i think largely that has to do with him he played like virtually every instrument on the record. So he had some help with horn parts and background vocals, but he also played oboe, English horn, piano, electric organ, electric piano, banjo, acoustic and electric guitar, bass, vibraphone, xylophone, glockenspiel, recorders, wood flute, whistles, drums, percussion, and vocals. And he did his own production and arranging and mixing. So he was the total brainchild behind this entire thing. Yeah, and just to touch on that, all of the tracks were recorded using only three microphones, two of which were SM57s, which are very cheap microphones. I have one. They're $100 nowadays. I think they were $100 back then as well, and an AKG C1000. So there's a positive note already. If you are a musician and you're thinking like, ah, I can't get this like beautiful sound that, you know, Sufjan Stevens has is like, well, yes, you can. All he had was that those three microphones and then Pro Tools. He was very adamant of doing things cheaply. And apparently he was in these early stages of, in these early albums. He was very into the idea of, I need to like be singularly focused. I have to be doing as much of this album as I can. And I think later on in his life, that was, he looks back on that of like, Oh, you know, I was pretty narrow minded, but also like it, it's pretty impressive that he was able to do these because they're not intricate in the way that these are like super complex parts he's playing, but when they come together, it makes this basically beautiful score just on its own and that comes out in a lot of these uh songs will be an actual structured song but in between them or at the end of them they'll have these you know swells or these interludes between the tracks yeah i mean it also it it points out to the fact that he is a really he's a classically trained musician but aside from that he's just really tasteful with what he does so you don't need if you if you lack talent then you can get more expensive gear to help make up for that talent but if you're a really talented person and you have a clear trajectory of what it is you want your project to sound like then you don't really need all the bells and whistles of you know the modern day studio Sufjan is probably one of the few examples of a banjo not being obnoxious the song for the widows in paradise is a great example of that personally whenever i hear a banjo it's just it's too much it's like it's like a french horn you can't play a french horn quietly it's always loud it's just not you can't play drums quietly really and even with brushes they're loud but with a banjo it's just like it's just too twangy and it just doesn't work for me but every time Sufjan uses it even in some of his music that we won't be talking about he his electronic music he throws banjos and and it works so that harkens back to that quote that I said that, you know, it, it made it cool for the indie heads to, you know, just pick up a banjo. My favorite track on this album was Romulus, which was one of the two tracks that I actually did know prior to this album. I hadn't listened to the album in its entirety, but I did know that song. That's a really just kind of pretty song. And I guess this is a good point for us to talk about. Sufjan Stevens loves God. 
He loves God a lot. Man, I can tell you that my I started listening. To, I listened to Illinois when it came out in like 2005, probably 2006 or seven is when I first heard it, and I really dove into it. And I am not kidding when I say up until now I had no clue that he was really religious. No clue. So on this album, it's a lot more present the God, you know, context, but it, it, it's not like a Christian song listening to Christian radio. It's nothing like that where it can feel preachy or anything like that. I'm sure if you are religious, it's nice to have someone like this who is so popular among pretty much everyone, it seems. I mean, it doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't feel preachy. It doesn't take away from it. And like, it, it as you as you can tell by that, you know, as I was saying, you know, fans like to dissect his lyrics and try to interpret them. It shows that it's not, so you know one-dimensional and and then also another thing i picked up on i don't know if this comes from his midwest roots but when he's talking about the historical themes of michigan and things such as that does anybody else notice the uh common thing theme of the working classes plight i, uh, I didn't i didn't notice that <laughs> no no i didn't really I, I didn't but it makes sense if that's there Son of a bitch, you guys. I was trying to have a good conversation there. Oh, well. No, 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 no. You... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, that one's I on think... the cutting room floor right there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that, I don't know, This, this I really enjoyed this album. The only really complaint that critics had and that I agree with is that it uh, it's really long and that won't matter on yeah. Illinois. I'll give that away right now. That won't matter yeah. when it comes to Illinois, but it matters on this one. There's so many spots in this album where I was like, oh God, just go to the next thing because the next thing is going to be good, but this thing is boring. Um, I remember thinking that, I remember thinking, um, oh, this is probably, yeah, it's probably over soon. This is a, I should listen to this album more. And I looked at, you know, the playlist of what was left and I was halfway through the record and oh, I thought yeah. to myself, this is going to be tough. This is yeah, going to be real tough. It was like the Lord of the Rings where there's like multiple places you would think it's over and then it's not. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It was all really good still, but it just never ended when I thought it would. I think part of that is because some of these songs are, most of the songs are shorter, but there are some that are just so long that they stand out. There's a nine like, and a half minute song. There's, there's a seven minute, minute song. Eight and a half minutes, Adam. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's 15 songs long, and there are quite, you know, girthy ones. And the nine and a half minute song, you know what the title of it is? It's the 13th track, so you're already well deep into this record. It is called, Oh God, Where Are You Now? That's not the full title. Uh, Isn't there more to God, it? God is yeah. in bed because he's so tired from this album. It's, <laughs> oh, God, where, oh God, Where Are You Now? In Pickerel Lake? Pigeon? Look, man, it's the seventh Marquette? day. He's got to rest. Mackinac? Okay? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, some of these some of these song titles are so long. It's that it fits into that, I don't know, the indie long title thing. Like, Adam, just wait till the next album. I know. You think oh, the yeah, titles on this are long? Oh, wow. To the point of it being really long, this album was way longer than I expected. And it's like, not that any of it was bad. It was just so long. And, yeah. yeah. And usually I don't care about that kind of thing, but it just felt like it was supposed to end like four oh times. Oh god. Yeah. Like it it just it 
it had me. It had me in so many spots where I was just so into what was happening. And I felt so like it was a very nice thing to listen to in the morning. I felt so good. And I was like, this will take up a portion of my morning. I will like, this will be fine. And it took up a much larger portion of my morning than I expected. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well, I was planning on doing this other thing later today, but I guess I'll fucking finish this album instead. It's a good album. I'm not saying don't listen to it. I'm just saying get ready. Yeah, be wanna, prepared. That's fair. I want to circle back to the religion thing too because I think that a really uh, important thing is like, yeah, you can tell he's religious and, and if you're looking for it. If you're not looking for it, I mean, he's just a good songwriter and lyricist. So there's no there's no indication just inherently unless you're like really, really searching for it. Because I mean, people use like titles like God, Where Are You in songs when they aren't religious. That doesn't necessarily mean that Sufjan is, is religious, but he's just a really, really talented lyricist and songwriter where it doesn't, it doesn't, take you into his belief system it takes you into you listening to a song and absorbing lyrics this album compared to illinois it, it's more solemn in its approach it's uh, it's much more it's not bombastic it doesn't have these huge shifting arrangements just because it's a nine and a half minute long song doesn't mean that it shifts a lot whereas on illinois there is a lot of that and it seems a little more thought out i guess which probably isn't a fair assumption but i have do you guys have any thoughts on the, or wait i i did want to mention uh the other song that i did uh know was redford which is i think one of sufjan's best instrumentals i think that's uh, got to be in commercials but i i do love that song some of his instrumentals can just i think they're good in the context of a full record but if you're just listening to your music on shuffle and then one of these uh, swells comes on, you're just like, nope, fuck that. Yeah. In the context, they really work. It's funny you mentioned that song because I recognized it and couldn't place where I knew it from. Guess whose album that's on? It's on The Roots uh, album Undone. And it was actually the inspiration for the whole album. Was they they wrapped a character out of that song called Redford, and then they perform that song. They have uh, Sufjan's recording of it, and then they perform it three other different ways to end the wow. album. And it took me so long to, to get that, that to click, but it's really that's cool. awesome. Yeah, because that song that's is really great, crazy. So they're yeah. they're two very unlikely connections. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised when I finally like found that out. I was like, oh, I never would have guessed that because it doesn't make any sense on paper. Yeah, Sufjan has a lot of those weird connections. I was just like, I was just researching Sufjan in general, and I mean, like, there's a lot of big celebrities who have called out Sufjan just for loving what he does. They post pictures of his of his album art and just shit all the time. He's got a lot of like really weird. Not, I, yeah, I would say weird. I think Kanye's posted about him. I mean, it's like there, there's a lot of weird connections from other celebrities. He's just that kind of indie artist where he he's uh, he's spread across so many different listeners. And I mean, I think his discography also speaks to a lot of different people because like, like Jackson, like you said earlier, you like some of his stuff and you don't like some of his stuff, but you love Sufjan. So yeah, he has this one album and this is a guy who has these albums that mean a lot to me. And then he has this one album, his second album called Enjoy Your Rabbit, I believe is what it's called. It is one of the worst things I've ever heard. I got it free one year. Uh, his record asthmatic kitty released it and i was so pissed off i couldn't even get through half of it it is just 
it fucking pissed me off. It's so bad. <laughs> it's it's just like it's like a noise record, which I wasn't oh. expecting. There, it's all instrumentals. It's ugh, so bad. I'm glad I got it for free. I saw it like a 10 year anniversary vinyl in a record store for that one day, and man, I was so pissed off that they re released that album. That needs to just be in the <laughs> fucking the dumpster of history. Put it in the vault. Leave it in the vault. Can I finish this with a fun fact? About the album? No, no. Cool. So Pitchfork, as we discussed, gave this album initially a 7.5. And the site's top editor got his hands on the record and fell in love with it over the weekend. And he then found out, oh, my God, we gave it a 7.5. That's just injustice. And so he called the reviewer and he tried to convince the reviewer. He said, can you just re-listen to the record? You don't have to change your score if you disagree, but like just listen to it and then, you know, maybe rethink it. And the writer ended up changing their score from a 7.5 to a 1.5. So good, uh, <laughs> according to the writer, they didn't change anything in the written review, just the score. So I thought that That's was so pretty funny. funny. That's so, hysterical. Change it to a, he didn't change it to a 1.5. No, 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 no. From a 7.5 to an 8.5. Yeah, I thought you said 1.5. Nah. I was like, um... No, it's, it's not just you, Dave. I heard the same thing. Okay. I heard the same thing, too. That's why yes. I was, and I was Jackson, like, you said 1.5. You said 1.5. Like God damn it, man. So, well, guys, I'm in control of the edit. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought this album felt like a half-baked Illinois. Oof. In I context... Think... Yeah, I think I think the problem is yeah, it's it sucks because like listening to this album, I knew what I was getting into next, and so I it it, it was a really skewed it, it was an unfair way of listening to that album. So I suggest people who haven't listened to this stuff, you should ignore everything that we're saying about like it, it messing with Illinois and just enjoy the album. It's yeah, long. I agree. It's long. So here's here's my game I have, and Dave ruined it already, but we'll play it anyway. Yeah, it's not your fault. It's I, I was worried someone was going to talk about it, but uh, it's fine. Um, so what instrument did Sufjan not play on Michigan? <laughs> uh, Damn it, Dave. I'm not going to answer this. <laughs> yeah, don't answer it. Uh, a, drums. B, oboe. C, trombone. D, vibraphone i'm gonna say trombone yeah i'm gonna guess trombone too yeah thanks dave sorry <laughs> <laughs> don't list don't list them off for illinois, for illinois. I, dave I, you got a drink uh, for the three of us yeah okay i'll scratch that out of my notes then for illinois <laughs> we get we, we, we get if, you, if we can talk about it after after i play the game after i ask the question you can list off all the instruments you played okay cool Depending on where we are in Michigan, we can either take a bus or a car, but I'd like to think that we're in a part of Michigan where we're going to hop on to Lake Mis Michigan and go to the fellow state that also shares a border with Lake Michigan, Illinois. Go to bed, Jackson. I have another prop, guys. <laughs> we're all ignoring you because you're... <laughs> Let's go! Where are we going? Welcome to Illinois, everyone. Oh. Yeah, we're driving. Road trip. Come on. Dude, you, don't, you don't have the Superman uh, cover, bro? No, man. I can't afford that. 
Here's a great uh, little insert in the middle that I didn't realize until today. Uh, so we got John Wayne Gacy in the middle. The worst cartoon of a banjo I've ever seen. Uh, and then we also have a picture of Mary Todd Lincoln that looks like Severus Snape. <laughs> <laughs> There's Abraham Lincoln. Hey, before we get into it, uh, who wants to talk about John Wayne Gacy for a minute? Anybody? Anybody? Just me? Great. Awesome. <laughs> we can move on now. Junior? Which, which podcast is this? <laughs> this is not... This is... I, I just love... I just love serial killers. It's only me, but I I can talk about it with myself, which is what I normally do. You might want to rephrase that. Yeah, that's a, that's a creepy. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm 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 chill. Yeah. So this came out. <laughs> there was an album that came out between this record and Michigan. So whenever Sufjan came up with the <clears throat> Fifty States project, he was talking with a friend. I think it. Not his manager. I think it was his like PR manager. It was his like publicist. That. Yeah, all of, was, this, uh, all, all, all of this came from the PR manager because I thought in I thought in that article you sent, I thought that it said that the PR manager came up with the whole idea in the first place. It was yes. his call. It was uh, the two publicists were Daniel Gill and Marie Van Assendelft. Um, Ass. Uh, what was it? He was briefly yeah. Gill was briefly Sufjan's manager, and he suggested that whether or not it would come to fruition. Steven should bring up, he should use this publicity stunt to garner attention. So, and the reason why, what spurred him to think of that is apparently during a, I think they were having dinner or something like that, but Sufjan and Gil were, and he, Gil, yeah, Sufjan said, I have two albums. I have this one that I wrote on piano called, it's a concept album about my home state, Michigan. And then I have one that I wrote on banjo called, seven swans and that's where the publicist came up with it he said oh if you have a concept album about a state you should say that you're going to do all 50 states as you know a stunt so that's why in between michigan and uh illinois there was another record called seven swans it was a logical approach we won't really talk about it because we didn't listen to it for this but it's just it's a pretty somber acoustic jams banjos it's more like it's more religious right it, it is yeah. but he he tried to have it be a uh uh a concept album that gill gill was like trying to convince him like the so the quote is uh it doesn't make any sense why would you put out another album right afterwards and not make it about a state uh sufjan said well it's not about a state gill said who cares let's just call it new jersey or whatever <laughs> Yeah, so that article we're referring to, we'll we'll probably link it in the show notes, but it's a pretty interesting, extensive uh, article that I think we'll all be pulling from here. But <laughs> I just I just like the concept of just like let's just call it New Jersey. Fuck it, who cares? It's New Jersey now. Yeah, people will make up their own thing. Yeah, if you're gonna do an album called New Jersey, it would just be a random collection of stuff that doesn't fit. Yeah, in. Yeah, I think yeah. he also said, hey, you should do Oregon because uh, you spent some childhood. Uh, some yeah. of your childhood there, stuff like that. So that's why whenever you look at his discography, 2003 came Michigan, and then 2004, a year later, Seven Swans, and then 2005, Illinois. So it the is fourth, crazy The 4th of July in 2005. Exactly. That is a great release date. I was thinking about this. If he were to actually 
be going for all 50 states, it would be very cool for him to release one, no matter, not maybe every year, but however he was to release them, always release it on 4th of July. I was like, there's nothing more American than that. So that's perfect. Yeah. And fucking two years in between those two albums, plus releasing an album in between. I mean, I know that seven's like the, the one in between was already written, but Still, that's like not a ton of time, and like with touring as well to write Illinois. Are you fucking kidding me? That's yeah, insane. he said he said he said he spent a, a lot of time alone to really work on this one, where he didn't want to be um, affected by the idea of having to perform it live. He just wanted to let the individual tracks get to where they should be on their own without thinking about any of that stuff. Crazy. Yeah, and that comes back to the whole that he was doing. When you say that, he was spending time alone. Not only was he doing that in writing, but recording, which brings back to the whole, this guy just recorded and played almost everything on the record. So this is a 22-track album. Not all those tracks are long. A lot shorter songs on here, and the long songs on here are not exhausting. And But there are also you know, six second songs, just little, you know, yeah, remnants this, of things. This album is exhausting in a different way in that it, uh, it is very musically intense. You yeah. can't like, it's so hard to listen to this album and not just like stop everything and go, what the fuck is this? Like what's happening right now? Yeah. L- look at the track list on the back of this LP, guys. Oh, God. That is a wall of text. So let's yeah. talk about the song names. Another thing that's exhausting is the, the song title. So my favorite one is, um, <clears throat> let me clear my throat, the, the Black Hawk <laughs> War, or How to Demolish an Entire Civilization and Still Feel Good About Yourself in the Morning, or We Apologize for the Inconvenience, You're Going to Have to Leave Now, or... I have fought the big knives and will continue to fight them until they are off our lands. But for me personally, I like to refer to that song as T-B-H-W-O-H-T-D-A-E-C-A-F-G-A-Y-I-T-M-O-W-A-F-T-I-B-Y-G-T-H-T-L-N-O-I-H-F-T-B-K-A-W-C-T-F-T-U-T-A-
there have been like, we talked about it before with I've mentioned it plenty of times and we mentioned it with My Chemical Romance too it's just like the long names and it comes from this like mid 2000s to the thing hardcore bands did and and metal bands and some indie groups and and it it made things difficult but it was funny but it didn't matter for him like sure I can't tell you what song I like on the album because I don't know the name but it doesn't matter because it's a concept album that I just want to hear front to back it doesn't right. matter about the rest of it so he was talking about how he did a lot of research for this album. It wasn't simply like, I'm going to write, you know, 15 songs and then somehow find a way to thread them together with the state of Illinois, um, their uh, history. So what he did is he apparently traveled to Illinois and went, you know, just around cities, not just Chicago, actually read things, you know, and you, we have to remember he released an album a year before this and he took the time to, I'm a slow reader. So just whenever people are like, yeah, I read 20 books to research this. I'm like, Oh God damn, that must've taken, taken you years. As you can tell, I just said taken instead of taken. <laughs> Obviously I can't read. I was totally going to let that go. I was just going to not say anything about that, but I'm glad you did. No, it's perfect. Cause now we're not moving away from that for a long time. That's okay with me. There are so I, many I have songs. Have a question, that... Jackson. Yeah. If it takes you a long it. time to read, how long does it take you to read the track listing? I won't make you say that. He'll get back that. to you. I, I <laughs> seriously, I sound it. like a child whenever I read out loud. Sometimes I'll do it at work, and I'm just like, you know what? How the fuck did I get hired? This is. I feel so <laughs> stupid. Yeah. I feel Adam, like an idiot. Adam, he's just taking his time, you know. Yeah, Adam, I'll answer that question. It it, it, it took in him five hours. <laughs> uh, we can I'm real taken aback a, a by this, episode. guys. I hope there's someone I hope there's someone listening to this going, I don't understand what's wrong with Wooden Sunny. <laughs> Probably from Michigan. Not, I'm not taken aback by any of this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. So there are so many so many good songs on this album. John Wayne Gacy Jr. is amazing. It's that's really my, somber. By far and above my favorite song on this album. It's a really somber song about a serial killer on a record that is almost entirely upbeat. And then you have a song called Chicago, which obviously if you're going to do a, a record about Illinois, you have to do Chicago. That it seems to be his you know staple song, what people mostly know him by and then you have two songs on the album that when i listen to them i'm just musically just floored by them because they're just so like oh wow this sounds simple and it doesn't sound like you're a jacob collier type where you're like oh you're like really heady and all that kind of stuff but the first song on the record concerning the ufo sighting it's just a simple piano ballad, but I challenge anybody who plays piano to try and play that correctly in time. It is just such a strange, I still to this day don't know if it has a swing, if it's odd timing, if it has pickup notes. I don't get it. Maybe Hagen or Dave can explain it to me, but it's crazy. Um, and then you have Come On Feel, Feel the Illinois, the title track, which is in an odd time signature and just super dancey and fun and it has these movements in it and it's just like i'm blown away by this record it was actually that that song uh that's the reason why a lot of people mispronounce the name of the record 
I was reading about that because I myself was trying to figure out if it was called Illinois or but it's actually it's just pronounced Illinois but some people thought it was called come on fill the Illinois because of the yeah okay I get that I get that now yeah so he also um whenever touring this record did you see the what his band was called it's the uh, Illinois I, I, makers. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. And they wore cheerleading outfits. I loved that. Tour. That's so funny. Yeah. He actually wasn't even thinking about touring this record and then like a month after its release went on a world tour. Apparently he was also very adamant about he got calls cuz this is the album that blew him up. And to this day, if anyone if you know any Sufjan record, it's this one. And there's nothing wrong with that. And No. He was getting calls from, you know, like Letterman and Conan saying, hey, when can we get you on the show? And his publicist was like, we need to get you on there. And this is Gil, you know, good old Gil that we all know and love by now. Good old Gil. Good old Lion Gil. Yeah. And then. (laughs) Just just took in all those liberties, you know. Oh, yes. God damn it. So. He's getting all these calls uh, saying, hey, come on to these late night shows, which, you know, why wouldn't you do that? That's publicity. It's the best publicity you're going to get as a musician. And he was saying he, he was adamantly he would not do television interviews, television performances. He would only do basically magazine or like these really small interviews, stuff like that. So uh, another song that I did want to talk about, uh, Kashmir Kaz- Polanski Day which is a Illinois holiday is I think this is a perfect example of how Sufjan takes something related to Illinois being the holiday and discusses what it means to him. So if you don't know about this song, it was written, his friend in childhood died of bone cancer on Kashmir Polanski day. And it caused him to have a crisis of faith and it was all that kind of thing. So it was really this there, if you're curious, if you haven't heard either of these records that we're talking about, that is what I'm talking about when I say, you know, he it is a song that he wrote. This is obviously about his life, but he is writing about it because it happened on an Illinois holiday. And I don't think that is a loophole at all. In fact, I think that's such no. a beautiful song, especially knowing the everything behind it. Yeah, it definitely adds something to it. This album, just like uh, Michigan, it it was recorded uh, very cheap. Um, it was the same. It was the same thing. He used the SM57s. Um, he used an eight-track tape to record uh, a decent amount of it too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was all very, very cheap. And he did a lot of it in uh, his um, his apartment in Brooklyn. So here's a interesting thing about this is. He, for anyone who does any audio engineering, anything like this, I find this fascinating. He insisted on recording at 33 hertz, his software and everything, his equipment, his hardware, recorded at 33 hertz. And for most people, you probably don't know what that means, but most a standard, uh, a standard um, hardware records at 44.1 Hertz. And it just kind of goes to the the quality of equipment that he was working with. It's, it shows you how much he is spending on these records, which is not very much. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. I mean, like the, the whole thing that you said in the beginning, like, you know, 
anybody sitting at home thinking about, oh, I don't have the gear, I don't have the equipment to make this. The only thing you're missing is like a giant pile of instruments. Um, but everything yeah. else you can do at home. You can do. I mean, you're missing his talent and his ability as well. Sorry. Um, yeah, loser. But, <laughs> but but it it is. I mean, realistically speaking, you can attempt uh, a project like this if you are able to. If you if you have this equipment, it's not that much. Um, and it's, it's definitely, you have the room to play around with it too. When you have only a few things, it gives you room to play around because you, it's not like, you know, when you mic a drum set, you generally have, you know, like somewhere on eight mics and you put a mic on every single drum and that's it. But you don't like have to do that. If you don't use eight mics, you could just use two mics and play around with placement and get different sounds you've never gotten before. And it, it totally opens the world up for you. Yeah, people like Sufjan Stevens and Elliot Smith show that you really don't need these glamorous setups. Of course, nice gear. We're not docking people who have nice gear. Nice gear is cool. No. But you don't necessarily need it. If you can't afford it, don't, you know, go broke trying to buy it because you think that's yeah. going to get you big, all that kind of stuff. So, and, exactly. and then I even think the Strokes' first record, even though they had a ton of money behind them, I think it only has the drums only have two or three microphones on it, which for drums, if you don't know, you need mics for every single piece uh, on the kit, and then some of them need multiple mics. It's crazy. You you need wow, a whole it's like I, separate it's rack. like I just said that or something. It's like I just yeah. said that. What? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, it's, it's listening to the record, it doesn't sound like it's only has two mics on it, you know, basically. And no. another thing about it is that you don't hear it and think, lo-fi some people were labeling this like lo-fi folk i've seen you know on some of the pitchforks thing uh, reviews and stuff like that or even just people trying to categorize what Sufjan stevens is and i don't hear lo-fi no in, not at in, all in, in in its essence of course it is it's only two mics and you know a little bit of pro tools here and there but it doesn't sound cheap at all no i do want to applaud Sufjan stevens for having a song about his horrible fear of a predatory wasp and how him and his friend overcame it. Uh, I can very much relate to that. I am terrified of wasps. I hate wasps and I hate cockroaches. So don't worry. I hope he's still able to use some of that information now. (laughs) Um, I I do want to touch on one more song before we move off this record or before I'm ready to move off the record. The song, The Sears Tower, if I ever hear you call it The Willis Tower, I will kick you out of my house immediately. <laughs> the Sears Tower, there is, so this is a, you know, a really simple piano chord progression with, it's a minor progression, and it kind of swells, it crescendos, and then it ends. This is the ending vocal line on this song where the melody shifts is one of my favorite musical moments of all time. Not just Sufjan Stevens, but where he hits that falsetto of the where I go to sleep alone. That shit. Oh, and you're really doing yourself a disfavor. Uh, I don't know if that's how you say that. Uh, Disservice. (laughs) Disservice. (laughs) You're really doing yourself a disservice if you listen to that song and just skip to that end what I'm talking about. You have to listen to the whole five minutes and then it hits so hard and he doesn't you know, it's not like, oh, this big bridge ending that it's like, all right, I got you. Now you're going to be singing this part. It is, he just sings it once and then the song has a little instrumental out. It is beautiful. One of my favorite musical moments 
of all time. And goddamn. This was another record where, like, or another instance of what you were mentioning before, where the banjo never really was offensive during the listening process, you know. Not at all. Especially going back to it, because I have the same thing with, with uh, harmonicas in, in folk music. And with the banjo on this, I felt like it painted the picture more than it did anything, you know. Yeah. It set a, a vibe. Yeah, he it's does it true. so well. I think the only other artist that I know that can do this is Modest Mouse. Modest Mouse has banjos that are just kind of in the texture of the song, but they're not right there in your face. I think that song, Bukowski, yeah. has a really good example of that. But that's not what yeah. we're talking about, okay? Hagen, you got any shit? I want to. I, I want to like you know this this album. The first time I heard it, I uh, I I heard it years after its release. I was I was in college. I was a music student, and at the time, I was like really obsessed with weird music because that's what you do when you're in music school. Is you think, oh, I'm so smart now. I know and understand weird music. So you you seek out the weirdest shit. You try to like understand it, learn about it, analyze it, etc. And uh, I found this album at the time and i remember feeling very differently about it because it is so odd and so different and there's so many things going on but it didn't pull me in like the other things did where it felt like i'm listening to this because it's crazy it is crazy but it's amazing songwriting it's put together so well i mean you, you talked about movements within the songs i think going back to the song titles i think we could even say the song titles don't matter it's almost like the songs are movements within his giant piece that is Illinois. And it, 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 it really, it really just comes together in such a beautiful way like that. It almost makes the song titles seem comedic. Right. In yeah. a way that they're not important to the song itself, especially in that one, the one that I gave the example to before about the Black Hawk war or whatever, where he keeps renaming the song within the song title. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's satirical. Yeah, I think that's a good example of why this album, like, is it has to be listened to as one piece because like the song titles don't matter. He kind of made you not be able to pay attention to them or even reference the songs to some degree. So yeah, or or even notice until like fifteen years later that it was that the titles were that long. Yeah, yeah, and you can easily go back and find the songs that you like because. Uh, it, it, it doesn't like it, the album is a concept album and it does connect it all the way through and listening to it front to back is amazing. But like, if you pull out a song that you like, you're going to like it in that moment too. It yeah. just, it just went a hundred percent. It's, it's a thousand times better when you put it in the setting of the full album. Yeah. I, I do want to touch on the fact. So there are the instrumentals that we talked about on the previous album. They also come in on this album, which in context, if you're listening it from front to back, they make sense. They don't detract at all. But whenever it's just shuffle, most of these instrumentals, it's just these weird swells. There's really yeah. not much depth to them. It is, and it's literally that. I'm not. That's not a hyper, uh, hyperbole or anything. It's a swell. It's weird. But uh, so most of the instrumentals are just kind of, you know, skippable or you know, forgettable. I, I guess is a better way of explaining it. All of them except for the the closing track out of Egypt, I think are pretty forgettable, but the closing track out of Egypt is a good instrumental. I, I do like that one. And it, it's a fitting in to this record, which, you know, is also a pretty long record. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel as long. It just didn't feel no. nearly as long. And maybe I'm biased because I heard this one first, but I think even still listening to it for this 
episode. It didn't feel nearly as long as Michigan did. It's 10 minutes longer. Yeah, yeah it's, it still crazy. felt long to me, but I, I remember looking down at my phone to see how far I was. At the, like, I, I, I was like, oh, I wonder where I'm at. And I was getting pretty close to the end. It took me a long time to wonder where I was versus in Michigan where I was like, um, I, it's done, right? We're done? It's over now? I can stop? No, not even close. You guys ready for a game? Because Dave didn't read off instruments this time. Oh, dude, I had to bite my tongue. And I, think I, <laughs> I think I know the answer already. I mean, we're still going to make Dave read them all later, but not now. Yeah. Sure, cool. sure, sure. Because it's a so long list. What instrument? What instrument did Sufjan not play on this album? A, saxophone. B, sleigh bells. C, glockenspiel. D, claps. Oh, shit. I don't know the answer to this. I'm going to say saxophone. Okay, Dave? Uh, um, I'll say saxophone. Adam? I'm going to say sleigh bells because I don't know if that would be on here. Um, I'm wrong. Okay. It is... It is 100%. He did not clap on the album. What the fuck? Oh, shit. But there are claps on the album. There are, and it's someone else who did it. It's, uh, I have it pulled up here. Uh, Reverend Dan Smith did the clapping. (laughs) But he didn't play drums on this record. He did not play drums on this record, no. But I didn't put it in the list because. That's what I thought you were going to say. No, I didn't put it in the list just because I had drums in the last one. So, I mean, I could have thrown a. But I thought claps was funny. No, this was better. That was a hard one. Jackson, yeah. you got to do a shot of kombucha. Yeah, I, I already <laughs> had my kombucha before this. I had worries this was going to be a long episode. Hey, before we get into Carrie and Lowell, I do want to... Uh, um, Spoilers! I, I, I do want to um, maybe... I want to hold what I'm going to say off to the end, if that's okay. Is that is yep. that is that acceptable to everyone and the listeners? Is that okay? About Carrie and Lowell, yeah. Is that okay if I just hold off? I don't. I. I. I That's okay. I, I'm gonna. I. I want to talk about my opinion, but I want you guys to get into it more before I talk about my opinion. So since Hagen's throwing out spoilers, I'm gonna throw out a spoiler for myself for anybody who's going along with us on this and hasn't listened to Sufjan before and doesn't know much about him. He doesn't finish the 50 states. He ended up only doing 48 states: the two, Michigan and Illinois. And he is more than willing to admit that it was a total gimmick. Yeah. Although Steven's subsequent work was sometimes speculated to tie into future, quote-unquote, states' projects, and Stevens himself would occasionally make statements to uh, allude to the future of the project, Stevens later admitted that the project had been a promotional gimmick and not one he had seriously intended to complete. In a November 2009 interview... Uh, Stevens admitted to Exclaim Magazine in regard to the fact that he recently called his 50 States project a joke that, quote, I don't really have as much faith in my work as I used to, but I think that's healthy. I think it's allowed me to be less precious about how I work and write, and maybe it's okay for us to take it less seriously. And then he also said, I took it seriously. I started to feel like I was becoming a cliche of myself. So Dave also mentioned that if he had kept it up, you know, from 2003 when he released Michigan, if he had released one once a year, he would be finished by the year 2053. That's some quick math <laughs> for you. 2003 plus 50 
is 2053. And Holy shit! That, that would have taken a long time. <laughs> I'm just never going to live that up. <laughs> live that down. I don't know. Did you say live that up? <laughs> I just fucking hate it. Dude, live it up. <laughs> oh. He did not write the 48 states, but here are some projects that uh, were kind of alluded to and speculated. He was working on an Oregon album in 2004, considered releasing a Rhode Island 7-inch. An Arkansas-related song was released through NPR, which apparently he was kind of uh, you know, convinced to do that. And then he also released a song called The 50 States Project, or called The 50 States Song, and material intended for New York and New Jersey uh, were released as the BQE. So uh, he did not, he had no part in writing uh, the album Iowa by Slipknot, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> Man, that, that would be, I, it was, it, that was before any of this, but that would be such a, like, an amazing twist to all of this is that Sufjan on that on that Slipknot album, he was one of the trash can players. <laughs> that would be a, the, the greatest twist to this whole story. He's Tortilla Man. <laughs> Sufjan Stevens is Tortilla Man. I knew it. Well, we, we fucking did it. it. Oh, my well God. We so got to the bottom of it. He stopped, and he had a new record come out. It was kind of... He didn't release an album in 2006. He released an album five years later in 2010 called The Age of Odds, which, by the way, is my favorite Sufjan record. I love that record to death. Uh, but, more than Illinois? Yes, or more Illinois. than Illinois. Fuck, I did it. It's okay. Jackson was going to make that mistake, too. I just can't believe it took me this long to make it. The Age of Odds <laughs> has a 30-minute closing track. So, yeah, that's my favorite Sufjan. Uh, record it is an unpopular opinion but I, I love that album it was pretty obvious to fans he wasn't going back to it and he even started saying you know i'm not i'm not doing that and hearing stories from that article that we read it makes sense people were coming to his shows he his bandmates were speculating and trying to sway him to like oh do it about my home state texas do it about this and according to them who were probably the closest people to him at the time, he seemed pretty ambivalent to it and would just kind of brush everything off in interviews. He would always brush off the question like, oh, are you actually going to do this? And he'd be like, I don't know. I guess we'll see. And he just really didn't seem to care too much about it, which people weren't picking up on. Um, and what he apparently went through is like people would come to his show his fans would come with like books and say like hey whenever you do the utah record here's this you should write about this and there was even a story i forgot which state it was but a fan was who worked at jimmy john's served him at jimmy john's and it was in some random state like iowa or something like that like not I a state you would have been iowa we yeah. already solved the iowa issue but yeah <laughs> It was a state where you wouldn't expect to see Sufjan Stevens. And so they served him at Jimmy John's. And then there was this wild speculation that he was doing his research because he had been known to go, uh, you know, traveling around Illinois for the Illinois record. Like he was doing research by going to Jimmy John's. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was lunch between research sessions. <laughs> 
just feel like those people have a very weird opinion of, of research. <laughs> it's a small town. It's the only place you can eat. <laughs> I don't think there's... I haven't had Jimmy John's in a long time, but I don't think there's anything that wrong with it. But I think there was, a, at one point in time, they were talking about his label, Asthmatic Kitty, um, having artists that they sign take some of the load of the 50-state project and, you know, make one of their records, those different artists' records, about the 50 states. Guess whose idea that was, Dave? Was it Gil's idea? It was. Yeah. <laughs> he oh, really hung on to that. Fucking Gil, man. Fucking Gil. That guy sounds like an asshole to me. He's, <laughs> it, he's, he's just taking it way too serious, you know? Well, guess what? Before the Age of Odds record came out, he, Sufjan Stevens got a new publicist, so Gil is no longer in the picture. It yeah. was very obvious to fans. Fans were frustrated by it, but it was obvious that he wasn't going to finish that and that he had just all in all dropped it. But five years after Age of Odds, he released an album called Carrie and Lowell. This album, among fans... It, I wouldn't say that it's widely ex- accepted, but you know it's been speculated to be part of his 50 States project. This is all due to the fact that the record is about the passing of his mom and his life visiting her in Oregon where she lived. So he had a lot of uh, childhood spent. I wouldn't say a lot, but he had uh, some childhood memories and very important spent ones his, to him. Spent his summers there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from a Pitchfork quote, there are um, Oregon-specific references to Eugene, uh, the Tillamook Burn forest fires, uh, Spencer, B-U-T-T-E, I don't know how to say it. They're I think it's Butte. Butte, uh, the Lost Blue Bucket Mine, and swimming lessons with a man who calls him Subaru. And these were moments when S- Stevens was closest to his mother, or at least in most constant proximity to her. And he recorded some of Carrie and Lowell's tracks on an iPhone in a hotel in uh, Klamath Falls, Oregon, as if trying to find a way to reconnect or recreate those moments one more time. Yeah, if I can, if I can, I know I said I wouldn't say anything for a little bit, but I'm going to say something real quick about this being a 50 States <laughs> album, because I really, I, I think it undermines what the album is. I 100% agree. I do not agree that this is a 50 States album, but I am very happy that we're going to take the chance to talk about it. Yeah, we could talk about the album. Of course, let's talk about it. I just, I I, like, uh, I'll get into my opinion and everything later, but uh, especially in my research and re-listening, I genuinely was like, fuck these people who think this is part of the 50 States project. You're an asshole. Like, just, just, just just literally like think about it for a fucking second this this is this album it 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 yeah he happened to spend a lot of time in Oregon with his mom that doesn't fucking yeah. mean the album is it's it's like low key called Oregon go fuck yourself so let me let me you know kind of pad a little bit more of Hagen's argument there so the reason this is really rough is uh for you to you know kind of belittle what this album is truly about Sufjan Stevens' mother, who suffered from depression, schizophrenia, and substance abuse, abandoned him when he was only one years old. Uh, According to Stevens, recording this album helped him come to terms with her death and provided closure. So Carrie is his mother. Lowell is his stepfather, who they ended up separating at some point. But Lowell is actually uh, one of the co-founders of Asthmatic Kitty Records with 
uh, Sufjan, and they actually just released an album this year, I believe, uh, together. Yeah, I think it was. I think they were together for five years, is what yeah. it was said in some of the research. And also, it was like she abandoned him at one, but then she abandoned him again at three, and then again at five, and again, yeah. you know, just like continually abandoning. And for a kid especially a kid presumably so intelligent, you know, and aware of his surroundings, as we can probably assume that he was, to be abandoned from your own mother is so heartbreaking. Well, you don't, yeah, I mean, kids don't understand it at that age, but once you're you're old enough to understand what happened to you, then it, it, it really hits you in a way that is, it's, you can't describe it. You can't describe what that is once you understand it. Because at three, at, even at three, you don't understand what's happening, right? No. Oh, not I'm at all. I'm super sad that mom's gone, but that's as far as the emotions and the and the and the brain connection can take you. But I uh, I mean maybe he was super duper emotionally intelligent at three and understood what was happening. I'm gonna go ahead and assume no. Um, but I I I do think that it it has to do with like you know like you said him coming to terms with the whole thing. Um, yeah. and it, it really like, I'm sure at, at a certain point, probably in his teenage years, he w- got hit by it hard. And then after her passing, I mean, it, it, it probably took another, however, like it, she passed in 2012. Right. And yeah. then this came out in 2015. So it took him, you know, that many years to, to come to terms to it and release this thing. So he, I mean, before we get into talking about the music of this album, uh, I mean, this, I didn't know about, whenever this came out, I was deep into liking Sufjan, and then I heard a couple of the tracks, and I was like, oh, he's going back to, you know, you know his folk roots, so it's very much, it's not Age of Odds for anybody who hates that record, which is, a lot of Sufjan fans do not like that record, um, but whenever I heard this record for the first time, I was not aware of the context of the album and it definitely it didn't punch as hard for me when I first heard it because of that but then I actually I think this was maybe two or three years after the album came out my girlfriend told me about oh this is about that and I was like oh and then I re-listened to it and like honestly when I listen to this record I have to like fight back like it makes me feel things that I'm not comfortable feeling and you know, they're important feelings, but wow, it, it's a really, it's a rough listen when you know what it's about. Yeah. And I, I don't know, like, Adam, did you know all this stuff before listening to this? Other than it was about his mom? No, I didn't know the details. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just really rough stuff. And what, whenever Hagen was saying he would go there for his summers, I believe what happened and I may be wrong about this, but apparently why it's called Carrie and Lowell is because Carrie and Lowell was the, they were together for five years and he probably went every summer during that period. According to him, that was like the time where, you know, in his childhood, everything felt normal. Like this was a normal childhood. I spend my, most of my time with my dad and then I would go visit my mom. And then after that, uh, after they split, she basically, fell off the face of the earth and no one really knew what she was doing. So she essentially abandoned him again. So he had these, and there are songs on previous records where now that we know the history of his family dynamic, uh, he picks up how like, uh, he says stuff like, Oh, you know, my grandpa 
my grandfather raised us and my mother abandoned us. That's not the exact lyric, but right. on previous records. So it, it kind you of know, points to how he was, he was already talking about that stuff in like, it, you know, in the previous projects, but now we're seeing a full scope representation of how he felt about the entire thing. It's such but, a hard listen because of that. And like, really the whole, the whole thing boils down to, he didn't have a good relationship with his mother then his mom dies and he's just coming like he has all these conflicting emotions like did she care about me oh she did love me what does this mean for my faith like how do i deal with you know all this grief that i have for someone who may not have even you know batted an eye at me did she really love me all that kind of stuff and like that's just heartbreaking and then on top of that it being his mom of all people so it's just like God damn, this this record hits me hard. I mean, like, I am not ashamed to say that I like have cried many times listening to this album. It is just a hard hitter. So let's get into the actual like music side of this. So this is a much more pulled back approach to obviously Age of Odds, which was the electronic record he released before this. But just talking about the States records, this is way more pulled back. It is almost exclusively acoustic guitar and then piano and then there's some ethereal instrumentals that's about it this is where this is where i jump back into sephion for me because i was into illinois i hadn't really listened listened to michigan but hearing about this record and i had heard briefly about what it was and why he made the record i had not heard more than that and then listened to it and it's like so intimate and haunting um it really just, yeah, it's yeah, very, it, <laughs> it's a lot. I feel you, Dave. There are so many songs. I mean, the song Fourth of July, I can only inter- interpret that song as him literally talking about, like, there you're sitting with a halo over your head and, like, talking about, like, oh, being under a sheet. And it's like, oh, my God, he's talking about, like, seeing his mom dead on a table. Like, that... Ooh, that hits hard. That's that's gotta be rough. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just like I won't even go into like there's such heavy themes on this album. Uh, Should have known better is this the very end of that song. Uh, he he talks about basically he he was contemplating suicide, but then his brother had a daughter, and there's literally a lyric that said, "My brother had a daughter." The beauty that she brings illuminates me. That's literally him talking about, like, I thought about killing myself, and then I saw this beautiful child, and now I feel better. Imagine being that child listening to that later in life and be like, holy shit. That's, I mean, when you, like, think about, when you think about the lyrical content and what he's actually talking about, the subject matter of this record, there's no other way for him to have made this happen. Yeah. If he had done, a, like, an Illinois-type scale production with all these various instruments that he played on that record and tried to do that with this one, it would be a farce. So I'm starting to get, uh, feel like the heavy weight of emotion. So I'm going to stop talking about this album so much, but there are just songs like I will close on. Like my favorite song in the record is no shade in the shadow of the cross. It's just a really cool, uh, acoustic song that kind of talks about his faith and how that was kind of shaken during the record. There is the song called The Only Thing, which is literally him saying the only thing that's keeping me from driving this car off the road, like stuff like that. It's 
you know, just real rough stuff. And, you know, I'm not a religious person, but it's really hard to listen to someone struggle this hard with their faith. I mean, there's songs like John, my beloved, where it's just like, he literally says, Jesus, I need you. And it's just like, Whoa, ah, it hits hard, man. You know, regardless of your religious belief or religious background, you have someone pouring their heart out for, you know, 11 songs and you can relate to them as a human. And so their struggle, whether their perspective is coming from religion or coming from the death of their mother, their emotion is put forth in a way that makes you feel it. So it, in the end, it doesn't matter what your you know preconceived notions are or what your constitution is. You still yeah. hear it as a man bearing his soul in a very intimate, uh, in a very intimate way. I just you know so that's why it surprises me when Hagen is like, I hate this record. <laughs> It's crazy. So, by the way, uh, I had a, the prop, the the LP that Hagen gave to me because he does not like this record. I asked if I could borrow it once, and then multiple times I, had, I have said, like, hey, man, I still have that Sufjan Stevens record. Do you want it back? And he has been like, no, you're good. You're good. And I, I love this album. It like, <laughs> one of my favorite records. So, like, thank you, Hagen. I greatly appreciate it. Uh I guess that's something good that's come from you disliking this album. Yeah. Um, uh, can I can I give my opinion? Absolutely. Are you guys ready I'm for my at shit? The bit. I'm chomping at the bit. Um. So I when when this album came out, I listened to it, and I uh, as they said, I did not like it at all. No not good um my cousin gave me a bunch of just random vinyls that he thought i'd like um one year and that was one of them he's a really big indie fan and still just no didn't like it and uh it didn't help that it's one. it was one of those things where like all of your friends are yelling at you to like this thing it's so good and it makes it so much harder to fucking give a shit you know when when like everyone around you is like this is amazing like well, uh, this this doesn't help me like it anymore. Um, it doesn't, you know, the the context of something is important, but it doesn't help me. So um, I I didn't like it at all. Uh, but I will say that uh, I listened to it this morning, and I sobbed like a fucking baby. It's um, so sad, isn't it? Man, I I, I lost it. Um, and I I it. I don't know if it was the fact that I wasn't ready for it or my first listen was just like, I, I'm expecting something else or what it is. But this time listening through it, I, I lost it. I thought it was incredible. I 100%, I have, I have nothing but amazing things to say about it and I'm going to listen to it again tomorrow. It's, it's on my list and I'm, I'm just, I'm so ready. He saved. Hagen. Hagen. We saved Hagen. Would you like your record back? No, no, that's all. That's all you. That's all you. I'll, I'll if okay. I, if I, if I end up really, really like, which I'm sure I will, but if I end up really, really falling in love with it, then, then I, I'll, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get another one. But yeah, I just, I, I, I have no game. Uh, I have no game for this album. I would just like for all of us to cheers this album and cheers how sad it is and how it makes us feel things that most. Most things cannot make us feel. It is, it is, it is a fucking testament to this man's lyrical work, songwriting, and everything that it makes you feel the way that it does without doing a lot. Well, 
I have two things I will end this record on. I have a sad thing, and then I have something that I think will cheer us all back up. So these are both related to the tour of this album. Uh, at the Dallas show, uh, that show was actually on Mother's Day for this tour. Oh. Um, and uh, yeah, somebody right, I know <laughs> was at the show, and he, you could tell. Uh, he had been crying that day. His throat, like, I, I don't know if anybody has ever, you know, cried a ton and then tried to talk and you're like throat. It's because you're dehydrated, that kind of stuff. Um, so imagine trying to sing after, you know, crying all day. You're not at home. You're touring a record about your mom dying. So, you're uh, in Dallas. Yeah. So just that, that's something. Uh, so I will end on a fun fact, though. So during the, the same tour, Sufjan played Hotline Bling by Drake as the encore for all the shows. <laughs> yeah, and I guess what? Because of this, because Sufjan Stevens played that for the encore, he has played Hotline Bling live more times than the original artist Drake has. And that's my fun fact. On this album that is... The sad banger of 2015, he did that. So you have this. He played the album from front to back, by the way, during that tour. He did it. Then he did an encore where he played some of the songs from his other albums. And then he did Hotline Bling as the last song. So, uh, you know, he had humor during the tour. And there is a statistic you can take home that he has played Hotline Bling more than Drake has. So that's... That is Sufjan Stevens and the 50 States Project. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, cheers. I had a great time. Let's do a cheers. Cheers. Cheers to Sufjan. Cheers to the emotions that we feel from this man. Uh, Incredible, incredible job. Cheers to Jackson's vinyls. (laughs) Jackson's holding up the vinyls. You look like (laughs) such. You look like a. This is the only time I think I'll ever see you resemble someone at a sports event. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. (laughs) I have a kombucha uh, hat, kombucha on both sides, and I'm sipping it out of a straw. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Oh, I think really that, I think that was I think that was like the most that, that was maybe the heaviest episode we've ever done. For sure, yeah. And there's and nothing I wrong with that. I apologize for people listening if they're trying to be like super positive during this time, and we're just talking about some real down, deep stuff. I think I think take this time. If 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 you're listening to this and and yeah we're talking about some down shit I think it, this is really important for you to listen to Michigan and Illinois and and really enjoy what the fuck is happening musically on those because it's it is a yeah. it is a positive uphill ride it's amazing and then if if you're ready if you're ready to to because this is a, a time everyone's reflecting on a lot of things right and I Absolutely. mean I, I I hate I hate talking about the time we're in and how it's you know it's but it is important uh, yep. if if you're if you're in in your reflecting time and you want to listen to something uh, or it's a beautiful morning and you feel, you know, very emotionally and mentally positive or ready, listen to this album and just, just give yourself that time of really taking in everything. You don't, you don't have to like, you know, just sit there and, 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 you know, dissect every word that's said or um, dissect every bit of the song, but just enjoy what is happening because I didn't when it came out and, uh, I don't feel like an idiot for not liking it then. I just, 
I, I it, it feels really special now to get into it, especially, like I said, in this time we're in where we have time to reflect and we can listen to sad shit and be like, ah, yeah, this is sad, but I feel things and I have time and the ability to feel things. Well, and this is the part of the beauty of doing these episodes about, you know, people's records that we may have preconceived notions about. We have the ability to listen to it with, you know, a critical ear again without being biased. And sometimes it turns sometimes it turns around. But I would say that, you know, if you want to, you know, for our listeners, listen to uh, Carrie and Lowell and then listen to Illinois. But like really yeah, actually, take in that's... Carrie and Lowell, really take it in and have a moment. I listened to this album before listening to the other two because uh, I assumed this was more of his normal kind of <laughs> music and I wasn't really exposed to that beforehand. And shit, after that, I was like, I don't know if I can listen to the next two albums because I don't know what I'm getting into. Yeah, sorry, Adam, for not really giving you an opportunity (laughs) to speak during Carrie and Lowell, but like, obviously, Dave and I have some emotions. (laughs) No, and I I think it it really hit after listening to the album first. Obviously, I knew there was some of the stuff going on from the lyrics, but like, even reading the backstory on that album was like, fuck yeah that that is like uh, almost like exhausting in a in a uh, draining way like listening to it again after that yeah but it's amazing so people should listen to it each one of these albums are exhausting in their own right the first one is exhausting because it's too goddamn long uh and boring (laughs) at points the second one is is exhausting because the names of the songs are way too long there's that and musically you're uh, you're taking in so much you're just you have to like if you're not present listening to the music you're not listening to this album this album is is so heavy with musical context that just drives it right it's a fucking like it's it's a fucking symphony you know and then this is uh very exhausting emotionally you're you're gonna come like you're gonna want to take a nap after carrie and lowell over any like i i think that after illinois i want to take a nap because like oh man it's like it's like a workout i want to i want to get up and dance after illinois or dance during illinois and then have a good ass day after that well sure but like kiss some babies and 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 say hello to people (laughs) that i normally wouldn't say hello to but think about it think about it like seeing like a band like animals as leaders right we come away from that and we're like god i'm so tired that was so much music there was so many things happening and that's what illinois is like to me where it's like this is just exhausting and it's amazing and i'm gonna dance my way through it i'm gonna have a good time but by the end of it i'm gonna be like okay now i'm i'm ready for a break uh who wants to like lay down or play a video game or something where i don't have to think <laughs> and carrie lowell's like don't talk to me please don't talk yeah. to me <laughs> don't look at me i'm crying and yeah. I'm a fragile man <laughs> yeah exactly yeah mm. i think i'm gonna listen to this uh, one thing i will say is that like through the the quarantine and the relaxation of not having to lead a regular life, I have been getting in touch with my emotions more. So I think I'm going to listen to Carrie and Lowell and actively try to have a good cry about it. Well, yeah, Dave, you're, you, I think your fiance has said before that you're not a crier, like not that you no. don't have emotions. You're not an emotionally stunted person, but you're the type who like, even if, you know, something really hits you hard it's hard for you to cry even though you're feeling it right yeah and now i'm more susceptible to it because of the downtime i'm not thinking so rapidly about several different things at once so i've been more open to in my relaxation quote unquote about you know emotions and and having them be welcomed into my reaction to things 
So I think yeah. I will, because I will admit that I didn't listen to Carrie and Lowell the full way through for preparation. Because I had already spent so much time with it. I'm more researched. Oh! <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but I'm going to, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'll send you guys a, a recap of how much I hopefully cried. Yay. Send us a crying selfie, please. Yeah. It's a healthy thing, and hopefully, if you feel like you need a good cry, uh, here's a good way, now that you know yep. the whole story behind way. it. Yep. Yeah. People should just cry, dude. I love crying. I wish I could cry more. Cry. Oh, yeah, dude. I'll cry at fucking anything. If you got, I was choking up just talking about Carrie and Lowell. That shit gets me going. Yeah. Woo. So, thank you for listening. We enjoyed listening to this, uh, The 50 States. Um, if you want to finish The 50 States Project, go for it. It's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs>